Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. It was all a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. It was all a dream. I have a dream that one day Black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. So let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. And when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all the soft children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. <laughs> 1010XL 92.5 FM presents... Jaguars today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E to the T. Well, all right. Good morning, everybody. Happy February. It's too late. Rabbit, rabbit. If you didn't get it in, uh, we'll start it again in March, I suppose. Good morning, Tony Smith. How are you? Doing well. E T. Yeah. What's going on? What's happening? Well, a lot apparently is happening in the last twenty-four hours around the National Football League. Uh, we've got two new head coaches in place, uh, and we've got the second. Annual Tom Brady retirement, February 1st. That's his day. Yeah. That's the day he likes to throw Apparently, it out there. Yeah. So uh, check back with me in 40 days and we'll see uh, if this one sticks or not. It says this one's uh, this one's over. It's for good. This one's going to be the one. Uh, here was Tom Brady. What 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 was this on, E? On Instagram? Did he throw this out there? It looked like it was on Instagram, but I got it from Twitter. You got it from Twitter, yeah, okay. He might, he so may somebody have po- may have posted it on Instagram, uh-huh. pulled it over, whatever the case. Here was Tom Brady uh, getting up this morning. Apparently, he called the Bucks at 6 a.m., mm-hmm. told them he was not going to play any more football, even though he was not under contract with them. I guess that was kind of like a courtesy. And we did see Rob Gronkowski uh, mention a few days ago, Tony, that don't put the Bucks out of this. And apparently, the reporting this morning is, he decided maybe after doing some due diligence, maybe the market for Tom Brady was not as robust as he thought it was going to be, that it came down to don't play or play for Tampa Bay mm-hmm. in uh, 2023. But here's what Tom Brady posted this morning. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time. So when I woke up this morning, I figured i just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, 
my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. You started to get a little weepy there in the last did, couple yeah. sentences. Yeah, you did. I felt that. I felt well, that. This is a change of thing. This is going to be like Joe Montana, right? Like he's going to retire and then we'll see him again for the first time in like 15 years on a radio row. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not when 37 and a half million is waiting for him at oh, Fox. You mean we're not on done an annual basis with Tom Brady in any sense, except we're not going to see him play quarterback. Yeah, Montana again. just disappeared. He's yeah. like, peace out. I'm out of here. Oh, you want to pay me 100 grand for one day to yeah. go hawk avocados on Radio Row? I'll sure. do that. Let's do that. And he did that. Good for him, man. I was jealous as hell. Oh, Six for figures, sure. one day. You can get it, get it. Get it, baby. Yeah. Go get you some. Uh, I could only imagine what Tom Brady might get as a uh, spokesman these days. But uh, I, I suppose this one's for real. Look, I, you know, his family life is his business. I don't know what would have happened if he had retired last year. Was his family life on shaky ground to begin with? Perhaps so. You know, do we really care that much other than nobody's rooting for anyone to have personal catastrophes in their life if they haven't wronged you. Sure. You know what I mean? So I, I don't have any ill will towards Tom Brady and and what went down with him and Giselle and his kids, and that's for them to yeah. sort out. All these athletes that we cover, Tony, all have to make the tough decisions about family life. It's just the way it is. You know, you're in your prime. You're oftentimes in that age where you're starting to have a family – but you've got to maximize your value because your value is only that high. Now, Tom Brady's an exception. He created such a value and set such a high standard that Fox can come along and go, we'll pay you nearly $40 million a year to sit down and, and talk mm -hmm. about football. And I don't know how much more compelling Tom Brady talking about football would be than any other of a number of uh, commentators. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll be just so-so. Montana wasn't very good at it. Plenty of guys haven't been very good at it. Sure. But they're willing to roll the dice on that. Uh, here's my question to you, though. Oh. Uh, Tom Brady generally uh, is regarded as the greatest of all time, right? Mm -hmm. Greatest football player of yeah. all time. He's the most accomplished football player of all time. No, no question about there. that. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. But how many people are out there saying Charles Haley is the best defensive player of all time when he's got more rings than any defensive player in the history of the National Football? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it is such a quarterback-paired thing that we were talking about it yesterday. Well, is Trevor Lawrence better than Justin Herbert? Well, he beat him head-to-head -head twice, right? Okay. Sure. Does that, does that mean Davis Mills is just as good as Trevor Lawrence? You know, I mean, how far do you want to extend that comparison it is the most important position. I'll grant you that. It has a major effect, unlike a lot of other spots would in sports, and even in team sports. Even, you know, you look at, at uh, like, Michael Jordan's got six rings, right? Brady's got, what, eight? Mm -hmm. Does he have eight? Seven total, right? Six with the Patriots, one with the Bucks, is how it went. Yeah. In ten tries. <laughs> I mean, how do you, you know, is who's the greater – athlete or the greater performer however you want to define it yeah it's tough right it is and I I'm with you like quarterback it's just different and I think it's because of the direct impact that the quarterback has on results of games right like it can be measured better 
than it can be for a defensive lineman or a running back or a wide receiver. Like, they have an impact on the game, obviously, but the biggest impact on any game being played in the National Football League is from the quarterback position. So there's a lot of credit given to them for wins, a lot of, you know, they get all the negative stuff when they lose, that kind of thing, and Tom Brady is the greatest winner at that position in the history of the sport. And and he's piled up tons of stats as well. But I think there are plenty of seasons. Now, he won three MVP awards, right? But there are plenty yeah. of seasons where you can make the case, well, wasn't the best quarterback in football this year. He had the most success, led his team the furthest, whatever the case may be. It, you know. Well, and I don't think it's not as statistic-driven at every position like it is at quarterback for whatever reason, right? Like, we, when we have the discussion about the greatest running back of all time, Emmitt Smith may win that debate, ultimately, if you want to have that debate, but... Barry Sanders certainly has an argument to be Walter considered. Walter Payton has Walter an Payton, argument. Walter Payton, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. There are plenty of them. Right, and these guys aren't at the top of that list. Emmett is, right? So he's got that feather in his cap with that. So Tom's got all the numbers on top of all the success, like team success on top of what he's done as a passer. I mean, he's going to be at the top of that list. I was looking at all that this morning, too, and thinking with the way the league is tilted now, right, so maybe he doesn't hold on to all those numbers forever. You know, the completion maybe. record, the yardage record, like those kind of things. Guys are playing longer and longer. Mahomes' start to his career is unbelievable. So if he can play 20 years in the league, and that's no easy thing to do, but if he can, he may be able to push those numbers. Then you look at some of those other top-of-the-line numbers. Like, is anyone ever going to catch Jerry Rice in touchdowns? Right. Like, like you just look, it's like, no. Probably not. Like, that number is at such a top of the mountain, and the position is just so different than it even was when when Jerry was playing. The the discussion of Jerry Rice being the GOAT, I think, has been done for a while as far as just the greatest to ever play football. So far, so superior to every other player who played his position. Yeah, and but... Tom Brady, what he's accomplished in his career is nuts. Uh, somebody on the, nuts. the text line is on by the Lifetime Enclosures talking about the comparison to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. Here's This argument is ridiculous to me. Do you think it is better to go 6-0 and in the finals or 6-1 and in the finals? To me, it's better to go 6-1. and means you met that, that extra year. You right. won as many titles, and you actually got back to that point one more time than the other guy did. Like, the, the idea, oh, because he was perfect in the finals, that's not more impressive to me than Bill Russell winning, like, 11 championships. Right. The, well, it's he, the total. He lost finals games. He just never lost the finals. Correct. Right? And Tom Brady isn't given the opportunity when he loses right. it's the not Super Bowl a two out of three. to give it, do it again. Yeah. Right? And if he had... Who knows? You know, if it was a series in the Super Bowl, what Tom Brady's resume would have actually looked like, I don't know, but I'm with you. I think it's kind of a weak argument. I mean, what, like, if, if Jordan in a year where he failed to make it to the NBA Finals had advanced there but mm-hmm. didn't win it, that's worse than losing before he ever got there? I, don't, sure. I just don't understand it's that It's remarkable rationale. that he's never lost one. Just don't understand that yeah. rationale. Oh, uh, the reply to that on the text line, get out of here. Get out of here. What? Ha- have a, had the, a debate about it. Yeah. Um, he never lost when it mattered. Every time he lost in the playoffs, it mattered. Yeah. Like, that's absolutely absurd. Did he win the championship every year? No. He won six of them. He was great. Nobody's disputing the greatness. Um, it is better to go to seven 
than it is to go to six, provided you won six as well. Mm-hmm. You're better to be six. To me, six and two in the championship round is better than six and oh. I mean, you got there an additional two times. Uh, and don't tell me it doesn't matter yeah, when you as lose. As long as you're comparing two guys with six. Correct. Right. right. Nobody's right. saying, right, if you've got six. It's not going to eight and winning three, and that's somehow comparable to a guy who won all six. No, 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 right. no. Nobody's saying that. But if right. you've won the same amount. Yeah, um, I'm with you. G- give me more trips to the finals. That's even further evidence of your greatness, that you took teams that maybe weren't good enough to be championship caliber teams and got them further down the road. Like all those teams – where the Detroit Pistons were knocking out Jordan, it, it would have been a negative if Jordan knocked off one of those teams but got to the finals and didn't win it. Mm-hmm. That makes zero sense to me. That argument has never made any sense to me, but plenty of people out there that don't make sense, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, all right, today's question of the day, being that it is the second annual Tom Brady retirement day. Remember, he retired on this day last year and then unretired 40 days later. So uh, I think this one will probably stick, but... I can't say with 100% certainty that that's going to be the case if mm-hmm. the right situation comes along. Matt Mayoko, um out in San Francisco uh, writes for the Chronicle out there, I believe, and he said uh, he talked to a player on the Niners yesterday who said, oh, Brady plays, don't you think he wants to play here? Like they were thinking <laughs> he was maybe coming to San Francisco. Yeah. Don't think there wouldn't been – a handful of teams out there ready to welcome him on board, be it the Raiders, the the 49ers, any, the, the Jets potentially. Not that necessarily Brady would have gone that route, but um, for now, he's retired. Uh, so the question of the day, kind of uh, piggybacking off that, we ask if you could have one former Jaguar, that not to be a retired player, could be an active player, but one who used to play for the Jags, come back and play one final peak season for Jacksonville, this upcoming year, who would you want to bring back? In other words, who's going to be the guy that plugs the hole that gives you the chance to go the furthest uh, for the Jaguar organization in 2023? Uh, a lot of people picking Jimmy Smith today. That's a great candidate. You know, I think you got to oh, weigh no. yeah. what team needs are as well. Like, Jimmy Smith, fantastic. W- what does that leave for Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk? You know, if you have the full Calvin Ridley experience this year, I think you're going to be pretty good at wide receiver. Not that Jimmy wouldn't be the best you have, mm-hmm. but um, 1,600 yards came with six touchdowns in 1999. Christian Kirk scored eight this year. I'm not saying Kirk had a better year. Jimmy had way more catches, way more yards, uh, all those things. So anyway, it's a, it's a fun debate, and uh, we can have that with you today if you want to jump in on that. We'll talk about the uh, new coaches in the National Football League. Daniel Jeremiah's got a top 50 draft list out for the first time. Uh, ESPN's got their list of the top 100 or top 50, excuse me, free agents. So we'll take a peek at that and uh, a number of other things. If you want to get in today, you're welcome to join the conversation at 641-1010 on the phone lines or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. And of course, uh, on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL at 1010XL Fat Tony and at IME2 the T. Come on, somebody. All right, here we go. Jaguars today off and rolling on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, uh, my man, who's the, the Jordan fan, he, he's pretending not to listen right now because he just, he just texted us out from, from 959 to 259. <laughs> radio turned to a different station. Then how did you react to what I just said a second ago? Because you're listening, you liar. 
All right? Stop it, liar. Now you're banned from listening for the rest of the day. All right? You're no longer allowed to listen for the rest of the day. You don't have permission to do that. The rare ban. Well, you know, I haven't pulled it out in a while. (laughs) But, I mean, if you want to be stupid, um, I mean, I don't listen. But I'm reacting to what literally you are saying right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, if Jordan played in this era today, he'd have 15 titles. No, I'd say he had two. You can't prove it either way. I mean, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. I mean, he'd have 15. You don't know. You don't know what he'd have. I think he'd have 25. I think he'd have none. How many years did he play? I think he'd retire. Well, I, what are we talking about? This? I thought you were talking about baseball. The- <laughs> not talk- I, th- I think he'd have Two or three Southern League championships by now. Oh, okay. Birmingham Barons. Yeah. There you go. So I was in the ballpark when he was here, scrunched up against the Where fence to get a look at Michael Jordan playing baseball. Didn't get to see him play baseball that day, but I was there. Oh, did he not? You know? Did he not play that <laughs> no. day? Oh, darn. That's a tough one right there. Yeah. That That's even worse than like in the NBA now. These guys sit out 15, 20 games or whatever it is, and they come to your city one time all year, and they don't play. It's minor league baseball, buddy. I'm definitely here to watch you. Yeah. And uh, what are you doing taking the day off, Mike? <laughs> That's one of my biggest fears. So next year I have to go see LeBron play. And I'm afraid if I travel to go to a city, like outside, well, obviously he won't be coming to Jacksonville. But if I travel, spend all this money, and he's – Taking the night off, I'm gonna be devastated. You got to go to L.A., man, and I know, you got to go to L.A. Way. and make it be, you know, a semi-big game. But then you're gonna have to pay through the nose right. or Madison Square Garden because he always yeah he always there. shows up and, and drops a triple double well, I- on the Knicks like that. <laughs> so. I forget. Oh, he did. It's all good. So he did last night. Dropped a little triple double on the Knicks. So you go right ahead there, buddy. You enjoy that, okay? Um, thank you, E. Appreciate you very much. All right, uh, John Shipley in tomorrow from mm-hmm. Jaguar Report. Uh, did a little write-up, I guess, Urban Miller. Hey, Shipley, you covered the guy for almost a full season. Yeah. Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R. Well, know. It's not difficult, yeah. okay? He's, he's spelling M-E-Y-E-R like he's a uh, – well, I guess he is full of baloney. So, uh, anyway, he was on the Patrick Peterson, Bryant McFadden podcast, All Things Covered. And uh, do we have a, do we have a sound bite from that, E? Let's hear what uh, Urban Miller had to say on this uh, podcast. Desire and no, no desire and of course, you know, I think I do some things differently, and um, you know, I was excited to see because they they have a lot of different players. And when I was there, they they did a really good job in free agency this year. And um, but you know, to me, and you guys know this, it, it almost it's fun. It's kind of funny when you say the NFL is a quarterback league. Pop Warner is a quarterback lead. So is high no school. No question. Right. It's a quarterback sport. <laughs> and when you get a, when you get a, you know, a killer like uh, Trevor Lawrence or a JT Barrett or a Cardell Jones or Tim Tebow, you got a chance. So they, they right. got a great future. JT Barrett. <laughs> All those guys he coached. Killer. Right. All my guys. All my killers. <laughs> you got a chance. Um, look, he asked, got asked a question. Yeah. Answered it, but. As Ship wrote, and we'll talk to him about this tomorrow. Um, yeah, excited to see what they did. Did you notice they got a lot of really good players in free agency? Like, completely different team, Tony, yeah, right? Like, yeah. it wasn't the team I was stuck with after all. I mean, that's, you know, everyone's going to tell a story that makes them look better in their own eyes as much as possible. Yeah. Um, he doesn't sound bitter about the situation. I'll give him that. 
you know, and why should he be? He's doing TV. He did it to himself. Right, he's living his own life doing whatever, and uh, the Jaguars are better off not having him as their head coach. So everything from that perspective worked out, right? That Doug Peterson is here. The Jaguars are in much better hands than they were, you know, uh, 16, 18 months ago. Um, So good uh, that Urban Meyer can look at the team and say, hey, they're better. Good for you, buddy. Like, that you have eyes to see that they're better. Why didn't Trevor Lawrence develop at all during the year you were coaching him here? Right. Well, or And as Shipley points out, why did any number of players have much better seasons this year yeah. than they did last year? And I don't right? think you were helping players. a lot of those guys uh, during your time in the building last I don't, year. I don't think he did a whole lot of coaching, yeah. quite frankly. I, I think Doug Peterson had, his, had a direct impact. By the way, we're T-minus two days from – one-year anniversary yeah. of Doug Peterson becoming the Jaguars head coach. On Friday, we will celebrate. Shall we bring in some some bubbly or perhaps some hand? Both. <laughs> Both, whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- just drink uh, silently with us. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, pretend, lift the glass on Friday uh, that we got this guy, seemingly the right guy, hopefully for a long, long time here. So, you know, the only reason we're going back over this is because it came up and he's going to try to – be like, oh, yeah. You know, look, they did sign some impact free agents. No There's doubt. no question about it. Yeah. They're a more talented roster this year, but that doesn't account for all the dysfunction. I mean, that's really what it boils down to here. It's not even to me about, uh, yes, did you hold back the development of players? Probably so, right? I can't, you can't know that for sure, but that's just the general dysfunction of the whole circumstance. Uh, I don't know if he had any positive impact in terms of being a hands-on coach. I know this. If Doug Peterson retired today, Trevor Lawrence would be so much more enriched for the year he spent with him, right, from learning things absolutely through yeah. a quarterback's eyes, a guy who's played the game, and the staff that he put around him with all the former quarterbacks that he could lean on. Uh, and, you know, like I've been there. I can help you. And I would think there's been an immeasurable – no matter who they would go to in the next scenario. If Doug Peterson hit the Powerball and said, you know what, man, this, I just, I, I'm like Dempsey, man. I got enough money in the bank. I'm walking away, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I, I think you would still, years down the line, Trevor Lawrence would probably acknowledge the impact that Doug Peterson had on him just in that one year on the job. No, I agree with you. And look, uh, Doug Peterson has provided, and it's felt like it was what he was going to provide from the moments that he got here. And you heard him speaking to the locker room for the first time and then going through the season and the way the whole thing played out. At when Look, you all, we all have people in our lives, right, when things are in chaos that we go to to calm everything down, right, whether it be a wife or a husband, whoever it is, friends, that kind of thing. You have those people in your life. When everything is going nuts, I know this person will calm things down for me. Doug Peterson has that ability, right? And he still allows his guys to be themselves. The personality doesn't get turned down with Doug Peterson for the guys in the locker room. He can just, he has that ability as an NFL head coach for you to be you and figure out a way to use it to pull everybody in the right direction. He did it in Philadelphia with a bunch of misfits, right? Like he figured out a way to do that. Quarterback goes down, doesn't matter. We'll find a way to pull the rope the way that we need to pull the rope to go win the ultimate prize. And this year, there were a lot of times where it was, oh, no, it's it's falling off the table, right? Like, we're, it's it's got to collapse at some point soon here, and it never did. 
the guys just kept believing that, no, 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 we're going to be okay. And I think that is, in a lot of ways, due to the calming influence of a guy like Doug Peterson being the leader in that room. Uh, you go back to, I mean, this is the day Tom Brady retires for the second time. But anyway, uh, you go back to that game in the playoffs after the 2017 season, AFC mm-hmm. Championship game, Miles Jack wasn't down. How things could be so different if that call goes a different way? If the Jags win that game. Yeah. They're playing Doug Peterson's Eagles in the Super Bowl. First of all, would it have been a better season for the Jags to make it to the Super Bowl, Tony? 100%. Or are you sure? Yes. Well, what if they didn't win it? That'd be okay. It'd still be It'd better? Be, it would sting, but It's still, still better be to better. make it to the Super Bowl than not to make it to the Super Bowl? Yes. I'm glad to believe that's not the case unless you win it <laughs> um, is all that uh, we're going to judge that on. But what? All right, so what if Doug Peterson beats the Jaguars, but – Doug Marone now has taken a team to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, is is anything different in Jacksonville the next year? Or you know, that getting that close, does anything change, or does it all just kind of fall apart like it did anyway? It might have, right? It was combustible. Yeah. I I think the that factor in that locker room wasn't going to be changed by a Super Bowl loss. Right. I, I don't think though that group is going to be able to hold it together any longer. Probably not. Because they made it one more week. What, what, or it, even if they had won the Super Bowl the next week. I don't think the combustion was going to be changed. But if you win. You at least have that. You have it. right? And then, so, and, then, and then who knows what you'd be staring at right now. If you win, who knows how the next steps were taken over the next few years. Sure. Does Doug Marone get fired at the same time? Does he last a little longer because he's a Super Bowl champion? Are you then, let's say he got fired just last year, right? Do, are you as interested in Doug Peterson if he's a Super Bowl runner-up coach? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, would you have been in position to get Trevor Lawrence? Look, I'll ta- I'll bank the Super Bowl, right? Don't get me wrong, because there's no guarantee <laughs> that you're ever going to win one. There just isn't, no, yeah. right? We'd like to think, and we hope, that Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson will help deliver multiple Super Bowl championships. going to give them a chance to. We'll give them a chance to, yeah. but there's no guarantee that no. they finish the job. Uh, it As is. As I've said over and over, someone's going to be Philip Rivers in this quarterback race in the AFC. Right. Right, and may end up being as an all-time, like maybe even Hall of Fame-level quarterback, but not have a ring when they walk away from the game. Or not even get there. Right. Like, there is a real likelihood that one of these guys is going to be that guy. Or, or multiple of yeah. them. Potentially, you just don't know. Considering what that you're ha- going to have to go through the conference with Mahomes in it. Well, I mean, because Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. Yeah, the Chiefs. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. He's always if he right? he's gotten eliminated, it's been in the Super Bowl or at home. Like I think he'd probably be all right in that circumstance, given how good he is on the road in the regular season. Anyway, probably so. But, but he's never been tested. Right. I mean, way. but so you've got that machine that has showed really no signs of slowing down as here they are yep. with a less than 100% Mahomes back in the Super Bowl again. Uh, and as we talked about yesterday, where does Lawrence fit in? You know, the optimistic side, the optimistic people had him in the top two in the AFC for yeah. 2023. Others put him top three, and usually that was Mahomes and Burrow as the top two. Some put him at four with Josh Allen. And mm-hmm. you can debate Justin Herbert, as we did. You can debate Lamar Jackson. You can debate Tua when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at the numbers that he was putting up this year. And those um, two monsters in that Dolphins passing Right, game. and that's not to say we wouldn't take Trevor Lawrence over the vast majority of those guys, particularly sure. when you consider he's your guy. Yeah. Right? Like, I, it's 
Isn't it I think that'd be that guy? much sweet. It is right. <laughs> and instead of just like a mercenary, look, I if I'm the Bucks, I'm taking that Tom Brady Super Bowl, and I'm like, I'm wearing that T-shirt just as proudly as any other uh, championship uh, apparel that I could put on. Yeah. But to have your own guy do it and have him be your guy and you know build that legend. Right here in Jacksonville? Oh, yeah. Let's hope we get the opportunity to experience it. All right, let's come back and uh, take a look uh, on the draft side of things with Daniel Jeremiah putting out his top 50 draft prospect rankings for the first time, his version 1.0. Look at where some of the uh, positions he sees as being stronger and how they line up with the Jaguars' needs this year. Uh, The question of the day uh, here on Jaguars today, simply asking you if you could – for just the 2023 season, if you could have one former Jaguar, retired or active, can be active in the league, just can't be playing for the team anymore, if they could come back and play one final peak season for Jacksonville in 2023, who would you want to bring back? Uh, in other words, who's going to help this team the most? Mm-hmm. Could it be the, you know, look, I think it comes down to about, honestly, for me, maybe a half dozen candidates in the history of, of this franchise based on all the factors that you got going on. Cause I'm not picking Mark Brunell. You know what I mean? I mean, as good as Mark Brunell has been at times, you're rolling with the quarterback that you have. So some positions are right off the table right away. Uh, we'll discuss that as we go along today. If you want to get in and talk about it, six, four, one, 10, 10, the easy way to do it, or hit us up on Twitter with your reply there as well. We'll take a look at Daniel Jeremiah's first top 50 offering of draft season. It is February 1st. After all is, Unfortunately, draft time for the Jacksonville Jags, free agency and draft time. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All Jags, all NFL, Jaguars Today on 1010XL. I had a lot of love for uh, Tony Brackett's in our question today, presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate. Oh, by the way, as you probably know by now, Chad and Sandy Real Estate Promise you multiple offers on your home in three days or they'll sell it for free. You can find out more by going to chadandsandy.com. A lot of love for T-Brack. How do you decide between peak Tony Brackens and peak Calais Campbell? If you're going to go that route, by the way. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, I'm looking at their, like, just taking their best season. And when I say peak performance, that's basically if you could replicate whatever you feel their best season was. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, Calais, I'm sorry, uh, Tony Brackens had 12 sacks in 99. Mm-hmm. How many forced fumbles for uh, T-Brack that year, would you say? Uh, four? You guess? About eight. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> Try that, man. I mean, like, like you look at Calais, and my first instinct is like, I'm taking Calais, right? That if, if you're talking about just a pass rusher for one great mm-hmm. year for this team. He had 14 and a half sacks. He was runner-up defensive player of the year that year. But And he did force, uh, what did he force? Uh, no, uh, three fumbles, mm-hmm. I mean, which is not bad. He had a great year. We all know yeah. he had a great year. But T-Brack, <laughs> he had 12 sacks. He forced eight fumbles, had a pick six among his two interceptions. Um, Calais didn't have any. So that's a pretty good debate <laughs> oh, right there. Yeah. I mean, it's my my first instinct is yeah. that that Calais season was so good, uh, and you can't go by awards necessarily, right? No. It just, you know, as we've seen, uh, Tyler Huntley's a Pro Bowler now, so he is. There's that. Lamar's not. That'd be a good trivia question. 
10 years from now. Who is the Ravens' Pro Bowl quarterback following the 2022 <laughs> season? Tyler Huntley. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, so we'll get back to that later on in hour number two that you can uh, cast your vote on uh, the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures on Twitter or, of course, uh, just pick up the phone and discuss your selection. Um, on the 20th of January, we had uh, the first mock draft put out by Daniel Jeremiah. Okay. And he had the Jaguars, of course, selecting 24, taking Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight end. And his note was, Mayer's a complete tight end, would fit beautifully within Doug Peterson's offense. Evan Ingram, who just enjoyed a career campaign in the contract year, could find more money elsewhere this offseason. Not if we franchise him. Mm-hmm. All right? So, I don't – look, I, I don't have an issue right now. Evan Ingram's not re-signed to the team. They're looking at, at the moment – no guarantee that he's back, even though we think there's an extremely high likelihood. I don't have a problem with somebody going tight end for the Jacks. It seems like a deep tight end class. It's interesting, though, because Michael Mayer is only the second-ranked tight end on Jeremiah's top 50 overall prospect list. I'm sorry, the third-ranked tight end. Okay. And he has the Jags taking him as the second tight end off the board, which is always a little curious to me. But... Is the tight end class really this good? Dalton Kincaid, this is according to Daniel Jeremiah, has Dalton Kincaid, the Utah senior tight end, who seems more like a an Evan Ingram type to me, right? Like he's more like willing blocker, but that's not why you're drafting this they guy. They line him up outside a lot. You're going to move him around, put him in the slot, split out from the formation. He's yep. going to be a weapon in today's passing game. So he's got him as his number one tight end. Um, just scrolling through here. Darnell Washington out of Georgia, he has as his number two, and he seems like he is more the classic tight end, right? Going to line up in line. He's got some playmaking ability. He can make contested catches. He can be good after the catch, but he is a dominant run blocker. And so if you're looking for more of the classic tight guy – and I don't know how many offenses are, quite frankly, mm-hmm. you know, would prefer that in today's day and age. Washington might be your man. Mayer, as the third-ranked tight end, according to Daniel Jeremiah, again, this is just one guy's opinion, seems more like a, a little bit of a split between the two, right? A little more physical mm-hmm. um, than some, but a little more of a pass-catching weapon than others. How much have you watched him play? Not much. I've watched a few games. Yeah. Like, I've seen a couple Notre Dame games, but I wasn't watching him. He looks like he's a really good college tight end to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he he feels like he's a bit like a boxy frame kind of, you know what I mean? Like, like Evan Ingram, you watch him, you're like, oh, this guy could be a receiver, right? I mean, he's just a, he's a little bit bigger than your typical receiver, but he runs. Mm-hmm so well and he moves so fluidly and I think Mayer's a good player I don't know if he's a guy I want to spend my first round draft capital on yeah I it's it's interesting right we look at these different lists every year the rankings of these players and it it has felt like for the past three or four years if you look at a top 50 prospect ranking list you maybe see what one two tight ends Maybe yes. on the list this year, Daniel Jeremiah in his first top fifty has six. 
Is is that how many? Because I, yeah. I was scrolling through. I knew he had a few more yeah. down the line. There Luke are, Musgrove out of Oregon State. He's got at 35. Yeah. That's four guys in the top 35 right there. Yeah. But six guys overall on the list in the top 50, which is interesting, right? Because I think, look, we've had the tight end discussion in Jacksonville for how many years now, right? They got to go find one go of these tight ends. Go get one. They finally right? got one. Right? They got a guy in Evan Ingram that can give you that. Does a draft that is so rich at the position, if does that change the priority at all? with getting Evan Ingram in, even if he, he is the easiest to see the path to getting him back, right? The franchise number is not so exorbitant that you couldn't do it if you wanted to do it. But does the depth of the position in the draft change that arithmetic at all for the franchise? I, I not don't, for me, it does I don't think so, but I, I no, you have it's to, something they at least have to consider. It's a, it's a valid discussion to have, mm-hmm. right? Like, hey, if you think you can get a guy in the second round who most years would be maybe one of the top one or two tight ends in, in a yeah. typical class, if you feel like the class is that good. Now, just because, by the way, you have six of them, uh, Davis Allen of Clemson comes in at number 50, and uh, Sam Laporta of Iowa, who you know, the school that always seems to produce good tight ends, yep. uh, is at 46. Now, which, by the way, no guarantee that either of those, any of those six make it to your second-round pick. No. Right? So is it that much? Does the depth of the class change your opinion that much anyway? If you're not a hundred percent sure, you know, if they're all in that range where you either got to grab one in the first round, or you might miss out on all the top ones anyway. I don't. Then does it really matter if there are six compared to three? If you got to take one, you feel like with the twenty fourth pick to guarantee that you get one. Now chances are one of these six is going to fall to you in the second round. Probably, yeah. But you may not feel the same way about that guy at five or six on Jeremiah's list that he does. You know, it might feel like there's a big, big drop-off. I, I think to me, man, Evan Ingram, we have gone through so many years of guys wanting to get out of here, right? We got a guy who came in here in a one-year prove-it deal and expressed so emotionally how he wants to be back, best year of his life, knows how good he has it with the head coach who values the position, with the quarterback, that obviously he can grow with and, and spend the best years of his career with here in mm-hmm. Jacksonville. The fact that Trevor Lawrence wants him back. Why? Like, I get it. You only have – we talked about it yesterday. You have limited resources, right? You can't create cap space, but you can't create it indefinitely. You can't just say, wave your hand and go, here's $80 million. We sign anybody we want. Sure. Right? So there is a limit at some point. But to me, this is the one that you don't let get away. I don't want to restart – the position, and hope I got it right. Because how many of these tight ends, Tony, take a little while to really show up and make a big-time impact in the National Football League? And do I want to waste the next couple of years of Trevor Lawrence coming into his own maybe before he hits that you know, big-money contract where mm-hmm. it's taking up a bigger chunk of your salary cap, or do I want to go out there and try to find a guy who can – come in, you know, am I am I going to try to find a guy that, that I catch lightning in a bottle with or am I going to go with the known commodity, right. I guess? Right, and you have to rebuild the whole room, right? You got Everything. One, one guy coming back in Farrell is, is what you have in the tight end room right now. So you have to rebuild the entire room, and if you let Evan Ingram go to free agency, he's going to be the best available free agent tight end. 
You know, so there is that. You have the opportunity to figure out how to keep him in-house. You saw what that looked like uh, for a year last year. So I, I tend to agree. I think that they're going to get something done with Evan Ingram. But the depth of this draft class, maybe that means whatever they're going to do to fill up this tight end room is something that they're going to look to do, you know, day two of the draft, as opposed to another free agent tight end coming in here beyond whatever they're going to do with Evan Ingram and... Uh, we're already getting some response on the text line just saying if they draft a tight end in the first round, some fans would be upset about it. I, I have another one going here who's, I think, clearly a Notre Dame fan, but that's all right. So, mm-hmm. You know, watching Notre Dame for the last however long, I only felt this certain about Quentin Nelson, Kyle Hamilton, and now Mayer being future Pro Bowlers. Well, n- maybe, and okay. that doesn't mean you're right, yeah. you know, but maybe they even feel that way about the guy. And he's saying, look, uh, you know, uh, Doug has used multiple good tight ends before. Sure, he has, but is that the best allocation of resources? I don't know. You know, uh, can, can you draft this tight end class is so deep? Yeah, is there one you could grab in the well, fourth round that you can bring along and in two years down the road have that kind of impact? Yeah, and didn't we all think going into the season? Look, Evan Ingram's going to be the lead tight end for this football team. I don't think there was a whole lot of question necessarily about that, but it was look what he could do with a guy like Ingram and Dan Arnold as these two tight ends in their offense. Dan Arnold caught nine passes this year, right? He had another guy that the year before was an effective player, right? right? Had been an effective tight end to this point in his career. They did it a different way. So Doug Peterson having been effective using two tight ends during his time in Philadelphia doesn't mean that that's the best formula for this Jaguars team right now. He recognized that last season and featured Evan Ingram as his tight end in the offense, but nobody else really from that position. Not from that position, right. And you had 133 balls going to Christian Kirk this year. You had, I think, 81 to Marvin Jones Jr.? Something like that. How many are going to Calvin Ridley right. next year? Let's say, let's say Kirk, you, you go drop it down to 120, right? Because he's no longer the clear-cut number one on this team. So, all right, add those 13 to what Marvin Jones got. So, now you're in the mid-90s. Um, you're probably figuring Ridley's going to get up to around 120. At least I would be. So, where are those other 25 attempts coming from or targets coming from yeah. you know it, it, like you're right they're they're not going to run a heavy two tight end offense with Calvin Ridley and by the way let's not forget how well Zay Jones played this year you know I'm not saying you couldn't find a guy who could be more impactful playing tight end than Zay Jones could be as your third wide receiver mm-hmm. but again at what cost you don't have to find that right and, now. and to the person who said you know I what do they say they lose their mind basically um if they drafted a tight end in the first round. Well, what if instead of re-signing Evan Ingram, they went out and they found and they, you know, used that approximately $11, $12 million and got an impact pass rusher mm-hmm. or something like you know what I mean? So whereas you're saying, well, we gotta have that pick for this if you did it a different way. Now, there's some value too to thinking about impact pass rushers because those vets sometimes you know, you come in, you get them a little bit cheaper than you typically would because of age, and they've proven that they can get to the quarterback in the National Football League. I mean, yeah. you spent the first pick in the draft on a guy that you asked to rush the quarterback, and he got you three and a half sacks this year as an example that mm-hmm. uh, it's not always easy to find instant impact there. I think Ingram would be back. I think this will be a move point. I'd be shocked myself if they 
consider drafting a tight end in the first round. I, I think that player would have to be so much higher on their board than anybody else, you know, like to, to where it's just like you got him graded as like the 10th best player in the draft, and he's sitting there at 24, and you just feel like you can't pass up sure. on that opportunity, you know, future Pro Bowler, whatever. Uh, I doubt that'll be the scenario when the Jags are I'm on the you. clock at 24. All right, we'll come back. Hour two on the way. We'll look a little bit deeper into this top 50 list and see what lines up, and uh, particularly the, the players maybe – four or five spots on either side of where the Jags are going to be selecting in the first round and uh, kind of which guys in those uh, ranges that the the Jags might most like to see on the board when their pick comes up this year. Hit us up with your thoughts on the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day today, asking you if you could bring back any former Jaguar, retired or still in the league, as long as they're not playing for this team anymore, and have them play one final peak season for the Jags in 2023. Who would you like to bring back the most. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, hour two of Jaguars Today is upon us. Uh, which former Jaguar, retired or otherwise, would you have come back and play one final peak season for the Jags in 2023, if you had your druthers, we'll debate that a little bit later on in the hour. I do think it, it comes down to about a half dozen guys for me, though. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really uh, hone in and, and need has to play a role in that, as it always does in the draft. Can't always just draft for need, but let's be honest. you got to draft somewhat for need or, or else you're not going to fill the holes that you have. Uh, you just – what you can't do – is you can't reach for guys at a position you need that are clearly much lesser players than the other players that are available mm-hmm. at that spot, right? And one thing to to move back, what have you. So, you know, Daniel Jeremiah is not the sole authority, but he's one of the most recognized uh, draft pundits out there. Yeah. So when he puts out his top 50, Tony, let's take a look in the range with the Jags picking at 24. This year, thanks to the Miami Dolphins, uh, you know what? What a waste, man! The the whole Brady tampering thing, and Brady plays one more year in your state, and then up and retires for oh, a second time. They got nothing waste. out of it, e. right? And nothing. Sean Payton <laughs> to sign in Denver. Oh, did did it for God, seriously though? Thing. Do you My think gosh. there's anything to do with? There was some thought that Brady and Sean Payton, like in Carolina could be a fit because, like, in Denver, obviously, they're committed to Russell Wilson. They have to be because of the contract that they gave him. And so, Sean Payton, it comes out yesterday. I mean, by the way, what about the conflicting reports by Rappaport and Schefter yesterday? (laughs) Rappaport saying that the Broncos (laughs) made a last-minute run at D'Amico Ryans again yesterday, trying to get him to change his mind, like, we know all the reasons why you love Houston. Your wife's from there. You played there. Draft capital. You're not tied to Russell Wilson's albatross of a contract. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? But Rappaport said they yesterday made a last-minute push to get D'Amico Ryans on board. Schefter said, nope. Too busy. They were going after Peyton all day because they not only had to agree to terms with Peyton, they had to agree on compensation with the Saints. But honestly, how long does that take? And has this not been discussed before? Like, <laughs> it ended up being, we're going to send you 
being we being the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. are going to send our first round pick this year and our second rounder next year to New Orleans, and we're going to get the rights to Sean Payton and your third rounder next year. So basically, we give you a first round pick. We'll upgrade you from a third to a second next year on top of that. Somebody else probably had offered a first round pick is my guess mm-hmm. that maybe was a little bit higher, uh, and so therefore you had to offset that on the back. How long does that take? Does that does that have to take eight hours? I don't think so. I don't either, right? I'm sure there was some kind of outline for us normal folks. Yeah, it's simple, but you know, I I would think though that this is not the first conversation they've had because they they obviously Sean Payton was a serious candidate for the job, so you're not going to go too far down that road without getting a sense of what do the Saints want to take them off our hands. The Saints are sitting there like. Dude up and left us anyway, man. You're going to give yeah. us a first-round pick and bump us from the third to the second round? Bit. Sign me up, <laughs> right? So, but do you think there's anything at all, or am I just reaching here, and this is just Tom Brady's favorite annual day to retire, being February 1st, because he's done it now two consecutive years. But it did seem a little bit odd to me. Like, okay, Sean Payton's off the market. That possibility of pairing up, hooking up with him anywhere. Because initially – the story was last year that Miami was working back-channel deals to get Brady and Peyton both to Miami mm-hmm. together, and that Brady was on board, might even get a piece of the team, all these different things, and then that's when the Dolphins got smacked down for tampering, and that's why the Jaguars have the 24th and not the 25th pick yeah. in this year's draft. Maybe there will be a book written in 15 years, and we'll find out the truth of it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm I not know. trying to be all conspiratorial. I just wonder if there was somewhere in the back of his mind that he – thought there was a possibility that and I don't think it would have happened in Tampa. I mean, they just went no, to Todd yeah. Bowles um, last year after Arian stepped down. But uh, And maybe, you know, it would be a pipe dream anyway that he would end up in a place like Carolina, although they have a pretty good defense, you know, mm-hmm. and they have some decent weapons there. But, you know, whatever the case, it may, it, the timing probably is just coincidental. But it did probably. S- strike me a little bit this morning going, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, Sean Payton goes to Denver. Tom Brady shows up on the sand dune, by the way. And so, do you see the video, the actual video? Yeah, he, I saw it. He's like on the beach. He's like sitting on a sand dune like, yep. hey, guys, I'm out. Right? That's, Peace that's out. It makes it authentic to me. You know? well, well, somebody said, can you imagine you're walking your dog this morning yeah. and you look over? <laughs> what's that? Oh, that's just Tom Brady retiring. That's a, don't don't pay any attention to the guy the sitting on a sand dune recording, talking into his phone. Like, you're thinking – you know, there's probably somebody who's not very sports-oriented walking down that beach going, kids these days yeah. just can't put their phones Always down. Always on their phones. Always on their phones. It's this beautiful ocean out here, and you have to be on your phone the whole time. Who is that guy from that sand dune yelling at me? He looks, he's very my handsome. My dog in a leash. Very, very <laughs> handsome, though. And uh, may, Any chance that he was just disgusted at the poor quality of that movie 80 for Brady, which looks oh. absolutely horrendous to me. I mean, just have you seen the shot? Of, like, there's a few guys like Edelman's in the movie, Amendola's in the movie, right? You see the shot of he and Edelman and Amendola supposedly running off of uh, no. the sideline no. to Was go into bad? the game? Oh, it looks so <laughs> cheesy, man. It's like, what are we, at a high school play? <laughs> I mean, I, look, high school plays, not knocking you. You got a budget, okay? This is a freaking movie produced by a major studio, I presume. Anyway, all right, let's get back to Daniel Jeremiah here. Okay. Um, starting with his 18th ranked player. This is, again, one guy's opinion of where guys are going to fall. Every quarterback that you can shove up there in the top 
24, 23 picks. Yep. Let's go, baby. And it does seem like you're going to get Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson all off the board. So Mm -hmm. that's fantastic. We're not in the market. Not interested. All right? You tell me, starting here at 18, which which of these guys would be the apple of your eye if you had to choose from this group, okay? Okay. We'll go with uh, Miles Murphy, edge rusher out of Clemson, okay? Um this is according to Jeremiah. Just give you a few thoughts on him here. I uh, he split his time between standing up on the edge and aligning in a four-point stance. Um, does stall out too often with his pure bull rush. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> and overall, he's ready to start right away, can provide value on all three downs. So, yeah, okay. Clemson edge rusher Miles Murphy, who um, is ranked 18th on Jeremiah's list. Nolan Smith, the edge rusher out of Georgia. Undersized, elite change of direction and burst. As a pass rusher, has a dynamic get-off from a two-point stance. His ability to bend and close at the top of his rush is special. Hmm. Kind of like, like to me, right there, I feel like oversimplification, but Miles Murphy too much like a Trayvon Walker type, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to try to bull rush you, whereas Nolan Smith is the bendy edge guy that we don't have enough of around these points, mm-hmm. uh, these parts. Uh, then you've got a series of corners. You got Christian Gonzalez, corner out of Oregon. I'm not going to ask you to break down the corners. Maybe it's just more in this range who you're more comfortable with, which position. Emmanuel Forbes, corner out of Mississippi State, is Jeremiah's 21st ranked player. Edge rusher Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa is the 22nd ranked player. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee wide receiver at 23. Do you think there's any chance they take a wide receiver in the first round? There's some chance if there's the right value, okay. Right? But I think it's unlikely. I think it's highly unlikely. Yeah. I, this is presuming Calvin Ridley's reinstated, yeah. Right, and they feel good about where he's at. Uh, Derek Hall, edge rusher out of Auburn, um, Alabama corner Brian Branch, at 25, Michael Mayer, who we talked about the Notre Dame tight end, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the range we're looking at here. That seems like a pretty good matchup of positional value, Jaguar need, and where they're going to be selecting, who's likely to be on the board. That sounds pretty attractive to me. Out of all that, do you want the bendy edge rusher? Do you want the lockdown corner? Without knowing what else you're going to do in free agency. Uh, Probably the edge. Give me Gumby coming off the edge. Yeah. That's what I want, man. Probably the edge. I think because, you know, what we're talking about, we're thinking about today which player would you like to bring back for a peak season? Yeah. Right now, granted, if you know you're going to get the peak season out of him, regardless, that's fantastic. But um, AJ Boye might have had the best cornerback season that any corners ever had in a single year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just in terms of where he was rated around the league, in terms of um, passer rating against when they threw in his direction. Back in 2017, he was unbelievable. Statistically, better than Jalen Ramsey was that year, according to those kind of advanced metrics. But do you get that kind of performance without Calais Campbell crushing the pocket for 14 and a half sacks? Sure. And the rest of Saxonville, uh, obviously they go hand in hand. Uh, so you got to factor that in a little bit as well. I just think you can more likely to find a corner round two, round three, r- much later than you are – I mean, you see edge rushers that hit tone in rounds three, four, and five. I think they're a lot more infrequent than the corners that do 
at oh, that. Oh, for sure. You know. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be corners starting in the Super Bowl here in a couple weeks that were day three picks, right? Like, it's you can find those guys later in the draft, generally speaking. But if you think edge rusher and corner are two of the top, top needs for the Jaguars, and you see this range starting at 18, edge, edge, corner, corner, uh, edge, wide receiver, edge, corner. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good range that overlaps where you're going to be selecting uh, this year that you got to feel fairly good that somebody that can fit you uh, what you need and matches up talent-wise with that range. You know, that's provided if you trust Jeremiah not being completely, you know, off his rocker sure. kind of thing. And, like, I would actually put three-tech, like, interior rusher is actually the top of my list. It's not edge. Like, the interior rusher is the guy that I would have at the top of my list, but none of those guys are that uh, necessarily if – you're getting an edge. Are we edging towards putting Trayvon Walker as an interior rusher? Possibly so. Right. And I don't know that that's a bad plan, you know, for something to keep in mind for the next two or three years. That may be where he needs to land to be the most effective he can be uh, for this football team. But it it does it would feel to me like if they took an edge rusher there at 24, a pure edge guy, that we are getting taking steps towards Trayvon Walker being an interior guy. And that, look, as long as it's effective, I'm okay with that. Now, granted, I think there are going to be a lot of Jaguar fans that look at the recent history of drafting edge rushers and what they've invested in the position and not gotten the return on them. Got to get it eventually, man. You do, right? I mean, just like, hey, you know, the Jags could have – drafted bum after bum at quarterback forever, and then Trevor Lawrence presents himself, you don't go, well, we can't draft him because we've drafted poorly at the position yeah. in the past. you got to trust your evaluation. So uh, let's look at which players may change the calculus for the Jaguars heading into the draft uh, as we'll swing over to ESPN's uh, top 50 available free agent player list. Which guys are even realistic to even think about mm-hmm. to be on the Jaguars' radar, and is there enough help at some of these positions that maybe you can eliminate at least the overwhelming need to fill that in the draft and maybe change your draft plans a little bit that way as well. We'll do that when we return. Uh, Don't forget the question of the day out there asking you in honor of Tom Brady's second retirement, uh, which retired or just former Jaguar player can still be in the league as long as he's with another team. Would you like to have back for one more peak season in 2023? Who would make the most positive impact for the Jags? Seems like it's coming down to about – four or five uh, players getting the heaviest amount of votes. We'll go through those before the hour's done. With Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. You're listening to Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, moving along here on Jaguars Today. Um, Some different scenarios being thrown out there. They're fun. You know, it's that time of year. Throw your wild draft and trade scenarios and things uh, our way, and we will either mock them or go, hmm, that doesn't seem like such a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking for where, yeah, Lucas Van Ness. Uh, one person on the text line, everyone's got their own opinion, and you may be right. You know, Jeremiah may be wrong. You both may be wrong. You both may be right about some things, right? It happens every year, right? Yeah. Certain guys get overrated, uh, other guys go in the second round that practically nobody's ever heard of, right? So it, it doesn't mean anybody's wrong the or right. The draft is imperfect. It is. And so when I when I critique 
these texts and tweets and emails. Don't take it personally. I'm just looking at this one. It's from MoCo on the south side. Edge options through the first three rounds. Van Ness in the first round, who Jeremiah had ranked as uh, Lucas Van Ness, uh, the 22nd overall player. So that would seem to line up with the value of mm-hmm. where you're picking there. Then he says uh, Mike Morris and Keon White in the second round. Uh, Jeremiah ranks Keon White the eighth best player overall in Whoa. this draft. Whoa. Right, so uh, if if you're counting on him being available in round two, now again maybe Jeremiah's wrong, right? And it's hard to say, but um, Mike Morris and then Brenton Cox Jr. in the third round says don't think there's any other legit NFL talent there past Cox in this draft. Well, that's if he's sitting there for you in the third round. Neither of those other guys, uh, Morris or Cox made Jeremiah's top 50. Mm-hmm. So, which, again, doesn't mean anything. Um, so, take three edge rushers, entire pass rush personnel can fight for snaps. Okay. I mean, no problem having depth at the position, but I don't want to spend three picks. Like, we spent three picks last year to get a linebacker who got benched halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Got to be better with our resources now. The tighter the salary cap starts to get, Going forward in the future, when some of these big contracts, you can only restructure so many times. I mean, again, they'll get under the salary cap. They'll be fine. Um, but eventually, Trevor Lawrence is going to be pulling down $45, $50 million a year. Yep. You know, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to throw three picks and hope I nail one of these at the position. I don't think they have that luxury. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's a different story if you're talking about, hey, I'm going to throw fifth, sixth, seventh round kind of stuff at you and see what happens. By the way, Jacks don't have a seventh, right? They have two fourths, two sixths. I believe that's correct. This year, yeah. no seventh. So uh, eight total picks in all. Anyway, like I said, um, not saying you're right, not saying you're wrong. It's just hard to know right now what these values are going to be. Uh, here's another one. Jacks could trade Josh Allen their first this year and next year to move up to get Will Anderson Jr. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you think, oh, that's tremendous package. Well, then why would you offer it? You know what I mean? Like, if somebody's going to go, wow, that's so great, I can't pass that up, why would the Jags say, we're going to pass it up? Now, granted, if you look at it, I mean, I'm not – it sounds like a ton, right? But if you think Josh Allen – I'm not saying that's how they feel, but if they felt like, hey, you know, we're skeptical. Do we want to give him the long-term deal? He's never been this dominant pass rusher. He's had flashes of good. And if you thought – you know, look, Will Anderson, you're not going to get that guy anywhere near the 24th pick. What would it take to move up from 24 up there? It, the package isn't that outrageous, but just to say you could do this and you get Will Anderson, well, they may look at it and go, well, why do we want Josh Allen on a fifth-year option where we're going to have to sign him to a massive deal and then drop us all the way down to 24th in this draft, mm-hmm. and then we'll get your pick next year, which is going to be probably a late pick because you're a playoff team. Why would we do that? Sure. You know, so I don't know. Uh, and by the way, as good as Will Anderson is as a college player, what's the guarantee that he's a great pro? There are none. There are no guarantees. There just aren't. I'm not saying you should never take a big swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just saying I don't know if that is, you know, as cut and dried, easy solution as uh, it was laid out right yeah. there. I'd give up whatever I had to have given up to get the one to get Trevor Lawrence. Correct. Right. Uh, and Will Anderson's not being talked about even as a pass rusher in that same category. He's not even be talked about as the surefire number one overall pick, yeah. right? Jalen Carter seems to yeah. be the apple of a lot of pundits' eyes. And we know, you know, look, uh, as well, quarterbacks could push these guys down a few pegs as well. Again, not saying Will Anderson 
is a bad player by no. any stretch of the imagination. Might be a dominant player. I, I just you say you could do this. Well, you could offer it, right? And that's true. You you might be able to offer that. And on the surface of it, it looks like damn, that's a lot. But when you start to break it down, it depends on how you feel about Josh Allen moving forward. And is he going to be worth? Because it's not just his impact on the field. It's how big of a contract is what fifteen million plus per year is going to be what he's looking at. Don't yeah. you think? Something yeah. like that. Something like that, yeah. So that's another big signing for a guy that has been, what, a double-digit sack guy once. So, yeah, you know, we we like Josh Allen. I'd like to love Josh Allen, right? At times I do. Mm-hmm. I'd like to love him a little more consistently. Uh, before we get to this uh, ranking of the top available free agents, uh, Tony, why don't you take us around the National Football League? Now, gems around the NFL. Brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The Denver Broncos have come to a deal with the New Orleans Saints in which they will be trading a 2023 first-round pick and a second-round pick in 2024 to the Saints for Coach Sean Payton and a third-round pick coming back to Denver from New Orleans in that deal. So Sean Payton going to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. The Houston Texans are hiring D'Amico Ryans as their next head coach. Ryans has spent the last six years as a member of the San Francisco defensive coaching staff, including the last two years as their defensive coordinator. Ryans was a second round pick by the Texans in 2006, where he spent the first six years of his 10-year playing career, making Pro Bowls with the Texans in 2007 and 2009. As a player, San Francisco quarterback Trey Lance told reporters yesterday that he expects to be ready for the team's offseason program when it begins. Lance suffered a fractured ankle week two this year. The Tennessee Titans are replacing their grass field with a synthetic surface for the 2023 season. The Titans will be the NFL's first to use the technology featuring a monofilament matrix helix turf with an organic infill that retains moisture better than sit synthetic fields using rubber okay uh the titans installed the surface at their indoor practice field last year and apparently got rave reviews from all the boys of Uh, course uh, philadelphia eagles offensive lineman josh sills has been indicted in ohio on one count of rape and one count of kidnapping the indictment accuses sills of sexually assaulting a woman in december of 2019 somewhere in guernsey county ohio he has been ordered to appear before the court on February 16th. All right, uh, you've broken the Titans, Jaguar fans. I mean, they, they are now, not only are they switching to synthetic turf, they're going to tell you it's uh, it's better than playing on grass, which is fantastic. They're just uh, beside themselves right now. Let's change yeah. the narrative. What can we do? Let's get this uh, this field turf in here. That'll fix things. I thought they're building a new stadium anyway. I don't know, man. I, I... <laughs> Whatever. I, I, apparently they had a they bunch say, of injuries this year. They can blame whatever they want right. to. Right. They have a hard time keeping a grass field intact, whatever. That's their issue. All right. Let me run through these. Uh, this is Matt Bowen uh, of ESPN put out, I think two days ago, uh, put out his top 50 available free agents. He has since updated it this morning, moving number seven off the list. That would have okay. been Tom Brady and uh, <laughs> bumping everybody up a spot. Uh, just give me a quick yes or no. Do you think the Jags will be interested if this guy actually makes it to unrestricted free agency? And you can factor in whether or not you think they'll make it that far. Okay. okay. Go rapid fire here. Lamar Jackson. No. Orlando Brown Jr. No. Javon Hargrave. Yes. Yes, but it's I'm not, a, it's going to be out of their price range, but they're going to have some kind of interest. Are you at all worried that that for the first five years of his career, 
four of those five years, he never had more than four and a half sacks. And then the last two years, he's been pretty productive on a team that is loaded with pass rushers. I mean, it all comes into play. It, it worries yeah. me a little bit, yeah. right? Like, I feel like, because then, you know, like this year he had 11, but you had three other guys getting double figures. Who are you doubling on that defensive front? Sure. I mean, it's good, he's a good player. But I agree with you. I would have interest there as well. Don't know how likely it is. Deron Payne. Uh, more than Hargrave, yes. Yes. Um, now, here's a guy, you know, four years younger than Hargrave. Um, we'll see if. It's going to be 20 a year for right. him. Right. Uh, Easy. It may not be able to play in that. Yeah. But interest, yes. Geno Smith, no. no. Mike McGlinchey. No. No, because they have an in-house I, I don't candidate. Think, I don't think they're going to have the money to spend on an offensive tackle and free agency that they wouldn't be willing to spend on Taylor anyway. Right, but, I mean, you do you think they're going to have the money to spend on Deron Payne? No. Okay, but so you don't, you don't think – you think they'd be interested in Payne, but he'll be priced out yeah. of the – so you don't think they'd be interested in McGlinchey if he were out there? No. You don't? Okay. I don't. I think they might be interested in him. I think factors like in-house options sure. would probably say make them say, you know what, we'll go a different route, whether it's with Juwan Taylor or just elevating Walker Little. Uh, Saquon Barkley. No. Uh, Jamel Dean. Corner, sure. Yeah, I just wonder, though, if you're the top corner on the market, yeah, is he among the best in the league? You know, and he says he fits best as an outside one-third defender in his zone scheme. We like to blitz a decent amount here. Yeah. You know, we had some guys really struggle in zone. I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to – like, I don't – when I think of the best corners in the league, Jamel Dean doesn't jump right to mind. No. And if he's the best in the market, he's probably going to get severely overpaid. Uh, Daniel Jones. Nope. Jesse Bates. No. Uh, Dalton Schultz. Eh, depends on what you do with Ingram, but Pro- probably right. no. Provi- provided, well, I think they'd prefer the Ingram op- option. I don't know if Schultz will be all that much cheaper mm-hmm. than Evan Ingram, right? I mean, he was franchise tagged himself last year. Uh, James Bradbury. Kind of the same as Dean. Yeah. Kind of, but maybe because he's a little bit older, maybe he won't have quite as robust a market, right, where Dean is 26, Bradbury's 30, you know? Yeah. Uh, was Bradbury my my feel on him is that he was played more as kind of that third corner there in Philadelphia this year, the slot guy. So maybe he fits that more for the Jaguars, and that keeps Darius on the outside. Whatever they want to do with that, but uh, said he signed a one year deal with the Eagles. Terrific press man traits, uh, great length. Um, had three interceptions, seventeen pass breakups. He can also fit as a zone defender. Doesn't really get into. Uh, you know, slot versus outside okay. here. He's so been a playmaker. he's 30 kind of slowing down a little bit. A little bit, but yeah. still. Still a good player. Might might be, I would say right now, probably better than Darius Williams, but how much of an upgrade would he yeah. be? Don't know. C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He's interesting. because he's a bit of a nut. Safety right? and corner. Yeah, he plays a, a little bit of both. Uh, um, isn't he Jawan Taylor's cousin, I think, too? Is he? I thought so. Um. Yeah, I mean – Maybe all these he's guys. He's one spot probably, ahead of Jawan Taylor on yeah, the list. By all the way. these guys are probably too pricey for it to be real. Yeah, he's twenty five years old. I think, and I've heard that he is Philadelphia's number one priority yeah. to make sure that they bring back after the season eventually ends uh, for them. Obviously, Jawan Taylor. We've talked about a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Draymond Jones, defensive tackle with the Broncos. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I wonder though, is he a guy that we would say, oh, 
like Foley Fatakasi. He's an ascending player. You don't know a whole lot about him. We're going to pay more than you would have ever expected to pay, and then we're going to be disappointed with his production. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, pass rush win rate lineup inside was 16%, sixth among all defenders. Yikes. So that's pretty Ooh. good. That is pretty good. He yeah. wins from the inside. Do we need that? Uh, yeah, we yeah. need that. We need edge. We need it all. Josh Jacobs. No. Tremaine Edmonds. No. You got too much invested yeah. in the linebacking core. Uh, Tony Pollard. No. Uh, probably not. Probably yeah. not. But they're go- don't you think they're going to bring in another running back? I do. What type of running back do you think they're going to bring in? Do you think uh, Probably more the pass catching. It's my guess. Third down guy. Third, like uh, like a Jamichael Hasty type. Or that role. Yeah. Which is what Tony Pollard kind of is, yeah. although, you know, I think it's Tony Pollard's going to be as expensive as there is. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, Josh Jacobs probably get the best deal of any running back. Well, Saquon might get the best deal, but uh, Tony Pollard's not going to be cheap uh, at the age of 26. Marcus Davenport's an interesting one because he's coming off a down year. Yeah. I think he's super talented, but didn't have a great season. Did have 20 pressures but didn't have a lot of sacks mm-hmm. this year. Uh, if I could get him at a reasonable price, I mean, he, he had a half sack this season. So yeah. I doubt the price is going to be reasonable, but I It I probably that. won't be, but coming off a half sack, I don't know if he'll break the bank. Uh, Jacoby Myers. No. Levante David. No. Jordan Poyer. No. No, I mean, I, I'd like him as a player. I don't think, you know, at age 32, I don't think we can afford to upgrade at safety all that much. Maybe mm-hmm. draft a young safety uh, somewhere down the line. Uh, Zach Allen, defensive end of the Cardinals. Uh, maybe the most realistic name we've mentioned to this point. Right. Uh, a guy, they, they say they move him around. He had uh, five and a half sacks, 26 pressures, lined up all over the place. Um, more. That's kind of more like uh, an Arden Key yeah. signing. And it's feeling, more in right? the range of where I think the Jags are in at have to start really looking at guys. Garoppolo and Beckham Jr. round out no. the top 25. Juju no Smith-Schuster, right. No. I mean, and then, you know, so that, that's basically through the top 25. Maybe we'll look at some of the uh, the back half of the top 50 a little bit more tomorrow. But just a few targets of mm-hmm. opportunity there, which, again, reinforces re-sign your own guys this year. These are the guys that I don't think anybody's going to have a bigger positive impact on this team coming in than Evan Ingram would be returning to this football sure. team. Is, uh, you know, so if you can get that done uh, and a few others and uh, maybe add a few of those kind of mid-range pieces like you're talking about, nail a draft pick or two, have Trevor improve, there's your formula for 2023. Yeah. Uh, All right, we'll come back and take a look at today's uh, Jaguars Today Chad and Sandy Real Estate question of the day when we return and put a bow on this one. You're listening to Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, uh, a couple on the text line. What about Fletcher Cox in free agency? Sure. I mean, I like Fletcher Cox. I don't know. I I feel like Fletcher Cox, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, is going to ride off into the sunset. That's just me. Mm -hmm. He's 34 years old. I don't believe he's ever played for another franchise. He hasn't in Philly. And he made $14 million this year. He did have seven sacks as a defensive tackle. Would I like that? Yes. Do they have fourteen million? If, I, if you had fourteen million, you could have Fletcher Cox on a one-year deal, or you could sign uh, Juwan Taylor, let's say, to a three-year deal that averaged fourteen million dollars, or or maybe slightly less, something like that. Mm-hmm. What's the better allocation resources? <sighs> 
to me, probably Fletcher Cox. I'd probably go offensive line. Yeah. Because because I think Walker Little can play right tackle, and you're fine. I like, and I don't know if he's going to play it at the same level immediately that you got from Jawan Taylor over the course of the season this year, but I don't think it's that much of a step back if Walker Little is your right tackle. I understand. Uh, I would rather keep the offensive line strength together and try to find that sure. half dozen sack guy as a defensive tackle somewhere along the line. Somebody mentioned uh, trade Cam Robinson for Deron Payne. Well, Deron Payne, you'd have Free to – like be a sign and trade yeah. kind of situation, and I don't know, if, you know, like hey, can we trade our guy with a bad meniscus yeah. that right. <laughs> for for your young ascending defensive lineman, please? Yeah, all right, yeah. Here's the it. offer we would like to make to Ron Payne. Can you offer it to him for us and then trade him to and us, trade please? him to us, please? And we'll give you and you will take uh, yeah. Cam Robinson's contract <laughs> off our books if that <laughs> is possible. Uh, that would be great. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, Et, why don't you fire up that ten ten take? 10 10 10 10 take now mike dempsey's 10 10 take brought to you by northern tool start solving your projects today at northerntool.com we're made for this all right time to give you our takes on uh, today's question today if you could have one former jaguar retired or active come back and play one final peak season for jacksonville in 2023 who would you want to bring back for for me this is how i kind of split it down and boiled it down to its essence okay uh, I'm not going to take a quarterback. I'm not going to take a tight end, mm-hmm. right? Jimmy Smith, would I consider him? Okay, yes, Jimmy's on the list. Fred Taylor, he's on the list. What about Tony Baselli? Yeah. You know, I, like, we don't know what Cam's going to come back as, right? And we have Walker Little, and you could play one of those guys at right. Imagine if you had Baselli on this offensive line, not giving up any blindside pressure whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's got to be a consideration. Defensively, it's Calais and Brackens, to me, if you're looking for pass rush. It's one of them. I don't know if there's a linebacker that maybe Kevin Hardy, maybe, that you'd consider. He wouldn't make, you know, like my final three or four. And no, then, yeah. you know, you get into, do you want Rasheen Mathis? Do you want A.J. Boyd? Do you want Jalen? I think all those are viable for, you know, a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Jalen wasn't the most talented, but – you know, at the same time, A.J. Boye might have had the single best statistical season by some measures. Uh, Rasheen had, what, the eight interception season for the team. So, I mean, they're all ones I would happily add to this football team. And I'll be honest with you, I was really, when I put this question out there, thinking my answer would be Calais Campbell. Mm-hmm. 14 and a half sacks, defensive player of the year, runner-up, game changer. No question about it. He was a game changer for this football team. Um, did have a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I'll give him credit for that. But T-Brack, I'll give up the two and a half sacks for the eight forced fumbles and two interceptions that he generated. Also recovered a couple of fumbles of his own. So he created a lot more havoc, I feel, on, you know, a few less sacks. Granted, 14 and a half, take it right now. But, boy, if I knew that every other game T-Brack is getting in the backfield and is causing the ball to be on the ground, the quarterback's going to cough it up, I think I'm going to have to go Brackens. I, I, I changed my mind. A lot of people voted for Brackens, and I'm like, y'all are crazy, man. It's Calais. It's Calais. It's Calais. And I put those two seasons side to side. Mm-hmm. Again, you're only getting what you consider to be their best year, um, and then that's it. And uh, so I, I guess I just voted for Tony Brackens. <laughs> Who are you voting for? Uh, my vote is Calais Campbell. Um, okay. Interior pass rush is the biggest need on this football team, in my opinion. I don't 
you can debate John Henderson, Calais Campbell, Marcus Stroud as the course of their career, who was the best interior defensive line pass rusher the Jaguars have had before one season. It was Calais. But he didn't rush from the interior. He was an edge. I, but he can play interior. I've watched him do that at a Pro Bowl level in Baltimore, too. Right, and but he, he didn't did have it. 14 and a half sacks I know, as but, an interior But guy. on top of that, we've seen Josh Allen as a Pro Bowler with Calais Campbell with him. Sure. On the defensive line, and I think that is a big part of this for me, too. I don't think corner, you know, discussing the guys like Jalen and A.J. Boyer, mm-hmm. I don't think those matter as much if you're not hitting the quarterback. So – you got to find a way to do that. That's Calais would be the guy that gets my vote. Somebody said on uh, the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, why does no one ever talk about Daryl Smith? Dude was a stud. We've talked about Daryl Smith for years, yeah. ever since uh, Dave Caldwell decided to let him go too early. But if you think Daryl Smith, one peak season here in Jacksonville, yeah, comes close to these other guys, uh, it, not even in the conversation. No. So, I mean, Daryl Smith, a really good player. And when you say no one talked about him, that means we haven't talked about him today. I, I mean, we've talked plenty about Daryl Smith and his and, and why they should never have let him go. Yeah. And he was a really solid guy, but he was never like, I mean, like you're talking about, if you get that impact from Brackens, from Calais, from Jimmy, from Fred, you got a certain pro bowler, all pro level season coming your way. That, that Daryl Smith was never that guy, no. really. E.T., who you got? Man, of course, I would automatically go Fred Taylor because, you know, that's my all-time favorite. I'd go jazz. Fred if, it were, if I was going offense. But I look at it like you, the way you – we have ETN, so we're straight right there. Our receiving court, like we did well, so that's why I didn't go Jimmy. Where we need help the most is that pass rush. And then the way you set it up like that, it's hard not to go T-Brack, but I'm going to go Calais. Okay. Because I think – I don't know how T-Brack was. I know he was a wonderful teammate, but I know for a fact Calais – he would fit well with this locker room. That's already a wonderful locker room on top of what he's doing, what he did on the field in that 2017 season. I'll say this. Everybody who played with T-Brack loves the dude, right? Sure. So I, I don't think that would be an issue either way. Like, I, I wouldn't go – a lot of people pick Jimmy. I forgot that. Someone on the text line mentioned it, and I looked it up just to make sure. Uh, Calais Campbell was a first-team AP All-Pro in 2017 as an edge rusher. He was a second-team member of that team – on the AP team as a defensive tackle. Understood. Yeah. But do you agree that he was mostly a defensive end for that team in 2017? Uh, That's how I look I don't remember him. how how much he lined up where. And granted, you're right. Look, yeah. his versatility, uh, I'm looking more at, like, you know if you have Calais mm-hmm. in that circumstance, you're going to get 14 and a half sacks. That's what you're getting, right? Mm-hmm. That was his peak year. I'll take the 12 with the eight forced fumbles and the, the, okay. the two interceptions. But it's a good debate either yeah. way. Look, Jimmy's fantastic, and there's no argument that he had the best receiver season, I think, in Jaguar history. But, you know, if Calvin Ridley gets back to his pre- kind of when things went off the rails in Atlanta form, right. you could be adding a 1,300-yard receiver to an 1,100-yard receiver that you already have. Uh, Jimmy would top that depth chart, but – I don't think that depth chart needs as much topping as some other places mm-hmm. do. That's what it boils down to. All right, uh, let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Hello, Mia O'Brien. Hello, how are we? We're good. Uh, we are fine. We're well, as a matter of fact. And... Uh, Today is uh, the annual Tom Brady Retirement Day. Yes, yeah. it's. Uh, can you believe this? Are, are you ready for the lineup of what today is? 
Today is annual Tom Brady Retirement Day, National Signing Day, National Women in Sports Day, and also the Senior Bowl, kind of, <laughs> and uh, and also February. Yeah, this is uh, signing day number three. I don't know if that Yeah, is. yeah, we're, it's, we're, yeah. we're kind of finding it's, that. I actually, t uh, Doll and I were having a long conversation about even for the non-football athletes, November has become a really important signing day for them is like that's been the bigger day and so now we're starting to wonder in terms of how we cover it you know do you really have to dedicate a lot of your resources to those two days as opposed to the traditional february uh, it seems like it. i mean i remember yeah. you know we used tony and i were going to the super bowl every year for a, a long stretch and that was the only thing during that week that we made time to cover other than what was happening on radio row it was that signing day we'd always do a report because it was you know that was it. It was everything. Yeah. We was... were just sitting in the other room, you know, trying to see if Florida, Florida State, Miami, Georgia, any major names. And there really hasn't been a ton. But we do have a lot of signees in our area here to some pretty nice schools. Uh, Desario Riles, the quarterback turned edge rusher at UC, headed to Indiana. That's probably the biggest marquee signing here in the area locally. We're going to say hello to his head coach, David Penland, coming up at 220. And we're also going to talk to Matthew Toblin of the Bulls school who had quite a few signees back in the fall and of course has a bunch of diaper dandies coming up through the pipeline as well all right we'll have a good show Thank sounds like you. got a lot to talk about yes, today lots of signing day and then of course uh we may talk about that guy tom brady and also um urban miller uh making headlines again so yeah. we'll hit that and a whole lot more yeah yeah that guy uh tomorrow we'll have john shipley the uh author of the story on mm -hmm. urban miller uh or one of the many i'm sure who wrote about his comments on the uh, Patrick Peterson, Bryant McFadden podcast about how, yeah, the Jags got better because they got all these new players after I left. <laughs> uh, Ship will be in studio with us tomorrow from SI. And next week, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union will jump in on Thursday. Tommy Mack on Friday. And uh, think how you would like to celebrate Doug Peterson's one-year anniversary. Uh, was signed February 3rd of 2022 to be the Jacksonville Jaguars coach. And, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it took so long. Mm -hmm. We still have two teams without coaches right now in the current cycle, pretty yeah. sure. they going to land the Super Bowl-winning head coach? I'm guessing no. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Uh, Sean Payton's off the board now. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thanks for playing along. As always, for Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. We'll be back again tomorrow from 10 to noon with more Jaguars today here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Yo, Jacksonville. Start taking care of y'all mantles, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken.